Hello, this is Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. Right when I first started ATB in 2016, emails asking to be a guest were few and far between. One of the first requests I ever got that year was from my next guest, who I never actually met until this past summer. Musician Justine Kovalt had just started her band, Justine and the Unclean. She's someone who gets stuff done. From co-founding a female-fronted rock festival with Whistle Stop Rock, to starting a monthly residency at the Plow and Stars with The Mess Around, Justine has ventured into new territory with her label Red on Red Records. Her support and enthusiasm for the Boston music community and for her roster of mostly Boston bands is infectious, so much so that the great Sir David Minahan of the Neighborhoods and Willie Mammoth Sound is collaborating with her to offer Red Mammoth concerts. I'll let her tell the story. I just wish she had an extra swizzle stick to give me. So, here is my conversation with Justine Kovalt from Red on Red Records, Justine and the Unclean, and also Justine's Black Threads, recorded in an undisclosed location in Arlington, Massachusetts. So wait, Joe stole my thunder. So you're from Michigan. Yes, I'm from Michigan. And when did you move to Boston? I moved to Boston to come to college. To go to Boston University. That's correct. See? Somebody did his research. Yeah, well, it wasn't that hard. The time that I left Michigan, um, there was literally nothing going on in Michigan. Like, you couldn't get a job anywhere. It was total, like, Rust Belt meltdown scenario, and it was time to get out of Dodge. Yeah. My older brother actually managed somehow to get into MIT, and so we drove out here to drop him off, and I was like, whoa, I want to live here. It was your first time to Boston? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to just apply to Boston University, and it was great. They offered me a scholarship. and Fantastic. It's yeah. It's a great school. It's a great school, yeah. I went, I went to Northeastern. Awesome. And I, well, I went to a couple of different colleges, but I ended up at Northeastern. And I lived right down the street from BU. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's right. There's right. a lot of colleges in that area. But yeah, it was a great experience. And I met a lot of friends who are still my really good friends. Yeah. Did you just stay? I just stayed. There really wasn't a reason to go back. Like Michigan, the the um, there was just a horrible recession for many many years there, and I had already started really getting into music and um, really appreciating the Boston music scene. Um, even though at that when I was still in college, I wasn't playing in bands yet, but I was going to see bands. Did you? So you were there when the Rat was still there. Oh yeah. Did you ever go? To the, did you go to the Rat? I'll tell you what. I went to Storyville. Okay. I went to the Rat. I went to Jumpin' Jack Flash. Went to Chet's. Went to TT's, went TTs. to the Middle East, which is still there, but yeah. I went to all those places. Yeah. Uh, Johnny D's. Johnny D's. In Austin. Yeah. yeah. Golden age of, of venues back then. It, you know what was great? There was a show every night, and also, if you were a good and popular band, you could play four weekends in a row, and people would go. It's yeah. like the Neats, the Liars, yeah. the Bags, the Unattached, all these bands, they, they, they'd be at a different club every weekend, and places would be packed did you ever go see the neighborhoods at the time of course i did or the yeah. maps you the know the who? maps oh the maps I, I never saw the maps that's uh that's mr minahan's wife judy i believe so i never saw the maps i saw salem 66 okay which judy was in yes i was a huge fan of them and and in fact i can give you a vivid memory of judy which is that i was at chet's seeing some shows and are seeing a sh- seeing some bands and Chet's was notorious for women because there was only one bathroom and it didn't even really have a stall so there was always <laughs> a huge line for the ladies room and so 
we were waiting for the ladies room together and she had on these thigh high black leather boots and yeah. i was like wow you look fantastic and she was like thank you oh, that's very was, nice yeah yeah she's, that's, she's uh, awesome she's such a such a great great musician and great lady i have not had the pleasure of meeting her yeah she's lovely um and salem 66 were awesome groundbreaking like um just um really brought the kind of psychedelic groovy sound okay so you said you weren't in bands at the time were you a musician growing up so i started playing trombone in sixth grade and then um in high school i started playing bass and guitar and had a like a high school band that was just like a kind of casual project. The first band that I was in here was a band called Quest for Tuna. Quest and for Tuna. Quest for Tuna. It was a surf band. And nice. it was a, a Boston University band, okay. basically. It was all Boston University people. Um, and there were a number of lineup changes, but the one that I was in, it was Evan Shore, who's Mock from Mock and the Myers. Okay. And Jay Allen from Jay Allen and the Arch Criminals. Yeah. And um, Mark Gilmore, who has since moved to Albuquerque. Um, and so we were Quest for Tuna, and I played bass. That's so great that you have old bandmates who are still doing that doing that thing. It's really awesome. It's so um, great that they haven't stopped. Like, well, you know, sometimes people pause, but people yeah. don't stop. They come back to it. No, they always, they always come back to and it. So, and uh, so Red on Red just put out, uh, over the summer, a, a Quest for Tuna single that was actually recorded in, I want to say, 1988. Um, at Fort Apache by Sean Slade, and we never put it out. I, I think we put it out on cassette, but Jay Allen kind of dug out the masters and had them baked, and, and we had it remastered. And so we put out that single. What's I think the it was single? In July. It's called She Can't Surf, But She Sure Can Bowl. Very cool. It's a surf tune. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. That's great that you still have those those tapes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And we still play once every, I'm going to say, five to ten years. That's awesome, too. Yeah. You know, it's funny, because you know you know the David Bieber archives, by any chance? I do, yeah. So um, I got invited over there, and they had a release record release party for a band called The Well Babies. Oh, my God, I remember them. Remember them? Yeah. So they recorded it in the early 90s, I believe. They recorded it and then never put it out. But when they were looking through all their boxes, they found the original tapes. So they finally had a record release party, you know, last last year. And it was the first time they'd heard it since they had recorded it. And it was so fascinating to watch them listen to it. They were just like, I remember this, remember that. It was like just thinking back to, I mean, all of a sudden, the 1990s were ages ago yeah but, uh, yeah that's great they were a great band yeah that's, i'm glad that you 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 know who they are because yeah because they uh they were a great band it's a night it's a good album i have them on vinyl now yep that's very cool so the first time i touched base with you actually you touched base with me is a few years ago actually you emailed me about justine and the unclean so um and i remember emailing back and forth this a couple times you were just getting started and you're still, we have this huge list of all the people we want to talk to. And you, Justine and the Unclean is still on that list. It's just, <laughs> you know, just kind of fell through the cracks kind of thing. Let me back up. When did you start playing in bands again more, most recently? So I started, I started writing again in 2015. I took a long, long hiatus. I, I um, had a very demanding job yeah. and was raising a family yeah. and just... It just wasn't for me. There was a point where I was just like, you know, this is kind of enough. I'm going to do some other stuff now. And then um, in 2015, in the summer and fall, I just started waking up, like, hearing songs in my head and going, what is this? Like, I have melodies and words, and where is this coming from? And so I just started writing them down. 
And then I like picked up a guitar and started playing it. And I was very, very rusty and started like struggling to learn garage band and record demos, you know, did that for like three, three to six months. And I was kind of like, this is really fun. Like I missed this. I, I wish I had not stopped doing this. And, um, you had been still going, I mean, you still very active going to music still, and still going to see bands and still having like occasional band reunions and stuff like that, but not really focused on it, you know? And so then, um, in 2016, I started to put together Justine the Unclean and we started recording, I would say like summer, fall 2016 at Woolly Mammoth. So 2016 is when I started the podcast. So yeah, you must have funny, reached yeah. out right when you had started yeah, Justine that, and the Unclean. That makes sense. I like, I'm, I must have seen what you were doing or something, yeah. but, and then we put out our first album in, uh, December of 2017 Okay. on Rumbar. On Rumbar, right. Yeah, so before I was on Rumbar, I put out a couple singles myself and then got picked up by Rumbar, which was just one of the greatest things. That's fantastic. Yeah. Don't pick me up. (laughs) Damn it. Well, I got lucky. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And um, Lou was great uh, for Justine the Unclean. Like that, uh, just being on that label opened up a whole world to us that would not have been there. And like opened my eyes to like the fact that that kind of music... Um, and our kind of audience is out there everywhere, not oh, just yeah. in Boston. They're all over the world. Huh. That's interesting. So when, when Rumbar signs you, when they sign you to a contract, what does that mean? What did uh, it mean? Does it mean that are they getting you? <laughs> okay, so first of all, there's no contract. You, yeah, you, you do I, I, a shot of I, I, rum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you in. shake a hand, about yeah. a shot of rum, and then... Um, so what it, what it basically means is that there's a platform for your music, which is to say... Um, all of the audience of that label and the connection of that label and Lou is just the most um, energetic he's like the energizer bunny of rock yeah. like he's so enthusiastic and he can a- attract an audience to your band that hasn't been there before and, as, and especially an audience outside of Boston this is um Lou Mansdorf. Lou Mansdorf, right. Yeah, so yeah. so he's the head honcho of yeah. Rumbar. And Rumbar is a family operation. It's Lou and his wife, Lisa Pollock, and their daughter, Ida, and they all work on it together. It's all about just drawing attention to, to your, your rock and your art and what you're doing and making connections. And so, um, so all of a sudden it was like, you know, you're getting reviewed by an international blog. You're getting airplay in Spain. You know, it's... Um, it's really exciting, and I love what he does. Did you tour? Um, nope, I haven't toured um, yet. Will someday, but was not in the cards at that time just because um, everybody in the band has obligations in life, but, but that'll happen. Yeah, and what about the second band, Justine and so, uh, the... So Justine's Black Threads. Black Threads, Justine's that was, Black that Threads. Came, that came about, it's, it's more recent as a band. So what happened was that... I play a residency at the Plow with Jay Allen and Tom Baker. It's called the Mess Round, and we were there. We started in June of 2016, and it's kind of like solo acoustic ensemble, kind of small ensemble kind of thing. And then we'd have a couple guests for every show. Um, It was Jay's concept, really great concept, and it's a great place to like play silly covers or experiment, work out new songs, get goofy. It's very sloppy really fun um so i was doing that and at the same time i got really into um the roy sludge trio one of my favorite bands ever um royce roy sludge trio roy sludge trio yeah they're um they're a band that plays songs about trucking and drinking and um the boston band 
Boston band, really, really good. And so they had a residency at Sally's, and I used okay. to go all the time and see them. And their bass player, Johnny Shasha, he plays upright bass, and he has this really high, like, kind of hillbilly tenor. And I heard him sing, and I was like, you know, I feel like I could sing some Everly Brothers songs with him. Like, he's in that range. And so asked him to play with me at the mess around, just casually. So we started out just doing a couple Everly Brothers songs. Yeah. And eventually, it turned into a band. Then we got uh, Jimmy Scopa, and we recorded an EP, started playing shows, um, so that's been a, a wonderful thing too. And it's kind of like alt country rockabilly kind of thing. It's trio, no drums. Um, and that's really, really fun. That's, um, and we practice in my kitchen, which is great. Apparently the guys love the acoustics in my kitchen. <laughs> that's great. You know, I have my band. I am so interested in having a second band for doing something different, like a different sound and yep. something I'm totally jonesing to do. Because um, not that my band now is like they're not necessarily pushing against what I want to do, but it's just not the direction that you know that they're in. So, do, do you uh, do you split time between the two bands, or is one more active than the other right now? So at the moment, um, Justine the Unclean is a little bit more active because um, the the guys that I play with in uh, the Black Threads are both in a couple other bands. Okay. And so that's um, the usual MO for musicians around here. Anyways. Yeah. And well, but as, as kind of things start to open up and the musicians who play a lot and are kind of like session or professional musicians, they got to get out there yeah. and they got to play, they got to make some money. Yeah. They got to get back into it. And I totally respect that. I think that's the right thing yeah. for them to do. Um, and so for me, it's kind of like just the logistics of booking stuff between the two bands, which, um, which usually works out. You know, it's usually like every couple of weeks I'm playing with one of the bands, yeah. you know, so it's wonderful. Well, it's nice you have a, a bunch of different musicians to choose from, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I learn something from all of them every time I play with them and they all do amazing stuff with my songs, which as a songwriter is just the most, most rewarding thing. It's kind of like, oh, I have this idea in my head for a song and then all of a sudden it comes to life and it's played by these amazing musicians, whether it's Janet Egan King and Jim Genota and Charles Hansen or it's Jimmy Scopa and Johnny Shasha. It's kind of like wow they that happened to my song it's, yeah it's amazing it is magic when that happens especially yeah. when you're like you kind of you know maybe a little unsure about how good it is and all of a sudden they make it good right right, right? exactly so you got the, the two bands you got your full-time job covid hits you mm -hmm. and you have an idea presented to you by um by lou mm -hmm. at rumbar well, that's right. So um, right before COVID, I had been working with a bunch of women to book um, the Whistle Stop Rock Festival. Right. So women, all women music festival, right? Yeah. It was all, every band had a strong female presence. Okay. Let's say that. Right. And we were booking, we had, I don't know, 10 or 11 shows booked all over New England. And we got to do the first two shows and then COVID hit. Mm. And that all fell apart. And we spent that spring and summer, um, uh, Simone Burke and Lena Herzog wrote a song together um, for Whistle Stop Rock, and then we ended up recording it in seven different places, you know, isolated, and got mixed by David at Woolly, and then we recorded a video, which was also all of us in different places, and that got cut together by Daniel Lett, who's one of my favorite video artists, and it, and then we we started doing. Um, virtual shows so online shows mm -hmm. of people's videos and, and a lot of it was just like people playing at home or people somehow managed to like record in different places and 
like the people are using acapella and stuff like that. And it was just a great way to get through that really tough time. And then I talked to Lou about Whistle Stop Rock and said, oh, do you want to pick up Whistle Stop Rock? And he said, it's not, it's not really a band. You're not, you know, you're not going to record more and stuff. So it's kind of not for me. He said, but why don't you put it out? Why don't you start a label? Like you've, you've got all these artists, you've, you, you know what you're doing. I, you know, I can see that you're, you know, you have the, the business acumen and the, just the energy to, to do this. And he said, I'll help you and I'll support you and advise you. And he did. And it was wonderful. He, like, he really helped me start this thing and he was behind it a hundred percent. How do you start a record label? You, <laughs> so you start doing releases. And for me, it was, um, digital singles. So the first couple digital singles I put out were, I did, I did re-releases of stuff bands had already recorded. So I did Kid Gulliver, um, Forget About Him, because it's one of my favorite songs of theirs. And I did The Hood's Half-Life, which was from uh, their last known address album. And, um, you know. Which is a coup. You got The Neighborhoods? Yeah, I got The Neighborhoods. That's awesome. I was pretty excited. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I would have been really excited. I mean, those guys, I mean, that's, I love those guys. Yeah, they're fantastic. And then ended up putting out uh, a couple of holiday songs, actually. Yeah, it was, yeah, it I was saw that. That time of year. So I put out yeah. a collaboration between Simone Burke and Jerry Lehane from The Dogmatics mm-hmm. that was called An Irishman for Christmas. And I put out a Black Threads, Justine the Black Threads song that was a rockabilly version of Angels We Have Heard on High. It just started to kind of come together. It was like, okay, so I'm learning how to put out a digital single, how to market it, how to get airplay for it. You know, all and all the things that go into it, all the art and production and videos and and then started doing virtual shows for the label. So it mm-hmm. was like, here are the bands that are on the label and here's their latest video. And during the pandemic, people didn't really have a way to be together. And so the virtual shows that we would do would be um, mainly uh, like a YouTube uh, premiere, like a live stream with live chat. Mm-hmm. So people could watch the videos and talk to each other. Yeah. It was kind of like a perfect storm with COVID and you starting this because you couldn't do it in person. Do you think it was a little, I wouldn't say easier, but it certainly made it less logistically difficult. You know, it's funny you say that because it virtual shows are actually really, really hard. Yeah, I've, I've done them. So I, I, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's like... Um, a lot of prep, a lot of logistics. Um, you're still managing a bunch of different bands and their product. Yeah. And it all has to be put together just exactly the right way. You still have to market it. You still have to get people to go. Yeah. Um, most of what we did was for uh, charities and nonprofits. So th- there wasn't a lot of pressure to make money. Yeah. Um, those things were uh, exhausting in a way harder than a live show. Really? Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean they're both great in different ways. They both serve they serve different purposes. I love doing both, um, but they're they both are challenging in their own way. Huh. Yeah, we did we did um, together at home sessions. So uh, the Muck and the Myers were on one of them. Like a bunch uh-huh. of a bunch of people that you know were on it. I don't know. We had maybe ninety artists, different artists doing it, just playing, and they could put their Venmo up. Exactly. And, yeah, that's and really And it cool. was great. And you know. It was just me kind of managing the Zoom sessions from my, yeah. my apartment. 
and there's a lot there's a huge learning curve for the artist too i mean they, everyone had a learning curve learning sure. how to do the online thing absolutely like, does it sound good can you hear me what is it does the do i sound like i'm underwater right it's not, it's not the greatest thing but you know everyone got really good at it eventually exactly yeah it takes that that took practice and that was a big adjustment for for everybody um, but that, yeah, that technology part is tough. Yeah. You know, it, it's like it has to work and somebody's got to be watching it the whole time. And we did a few with um, once virtual venue. Yes. Um, which they had an integration. It was like an integration between Eventbrite and Zoom okay. and YouTube. Beautiful when it worked and which it did most of the time. But yeah. it's like it, just like a whole technology learning curve yeah you know we'd, i'd have to can't we'd have, they'd have to cancel because they couldn't figure it out and i don't you know we'd have to reschedule things and yeah. i actually had to play a couple of times because it just wasn't whatever wasn't working that was you know that was the yeah roll the dice and hope that it works yeah yeah but it, it's like you could do a live stream and there'd be five people there but they would all be so excited to be there I know. you know because like everybody was lonely yeah and like just looking for some something to something positive to focus on you know you know covid was horrible but in some ways it's a little good for the soul to like understand how important these kind of things are to to breathing right to going to see shows and, and being a part of music and all that kind of stuff it's um very important a lot of people didn't realize that until then yep i always say rock and roll will save your life it will and it will so red on red what is that What's red on red? So, Why red on red? So red on red is um, the name came from uh, Dylan's Blonde on Blonde. Uh, okay. Except it's red on All red, right. and, and it's actually it's the name of my publishing company from when I started um, Dusting the Unclean. I wanted it, my music publishing company to have a different name, so that's yes. the name of it. Red on okay, cool. Red on red just kind of appeared, but all of a sudden I just kept on hearing about it, and then I went to the a, a once uh, event this earlier this summer. And that's when I saw you. I didn't realize it was you oh, running yeah, yeah. it. Remember, yeah. I came up to you and I'm like, Justine, you're Justine, Justine the Unclean. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that was the first time I met you other than, you know, just through through email. Yep. And I've interviewed a few people who have who are on the label already. So all of a sudden you're just, a, you're just appearing in, in my everyday vernacular of what, I, <laughs> well, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, no, it is great. It is great. Same with the Rumbar Records. I hear about them a lot too now. Yeah, they're they're firing on all cylinders. It's 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 great. I love to see these. Uh, I love to see people who start businesses like this because there's no promise of any money. I think actually I saw a line that you said. Uh, so far, I've made thirty-seven dollars. That's <laughs> yeah. what I saw. I'm like, that's I'm about like, right. yeah, that's about that's about right. <laughs> that's about right. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have a podcast, so I'm not making any money. You know, if you, if you did it for the money, you'd be you know, that'd be, that'd be, I'd, I'd be doing something else. Yeah. That'd be a tough, that'd be a tough thing. So I wanted to also talk about your Red Mammoth concert. You actually just, just, you just, um, announced that today, right? Uh, that was announced today. That's yeah. Right. So yeah. Red Mammoth concerts with David Minahan. Mm -hmm. David Minahan, Sir Minahan, one of my favorite people. He's an awesome guy. Head, he of, head of the neighborhoods, runs Woolly Mammoth Sound. And, um, and that's where you recorded your, your, your album there so how did that relationship start so uh, other than you know were you going to do record with him like what was the impetus to start working with him in this manner well first of all why don't you explain what it is first sure so um so red mammoth concerts is a concert series that we're co-producing um and it came up because um i would go in to record with david and we would chit chat while we were you know setting up or whatever and um I was playing out a lot at that time and kind of talking about the challenges of 
playing out and booking and how there are places in town that you can play where um, you could bring a nice crowd and you can still lose money. Um, There are places at that time you could play in town that wouldn't promote your show at all. And there are, just to be clear, there are absolutely fantastic venues in this town and there are wonderful places to play, but it's hit or miss and you can't play the same place like every three weeks. You gotta, you gotta mix it up. Mm. And, and so we were talking about how great would it be if there was just a new place. And I said to David, I said, you know, I went to actually uh, an event at the French American club across the street and it from Willie Mammoth? From Willie Mammoth, yep. It's on Elm Street, right yeah. across from Willie Mammoth. Yeah. It was a private event, but it happened that there were bands playing. And I was like, wow, this place is really cool. There's a stage, and there's a bar, and there's a parking lot. And these bands sound great. And why isn't this a regular thing? And I talked to David about it, and he said, oh, yeah, I know the people that run the place. They're really cool. And so we ended up one day during a recording session just like walking over and across the street and talking to them. And this was pre-COVID. So our original show we were going to do there was going to be in uh, May of 2019. No, May of 2020. That's one of the Whistle Stop shows that got canceled. So we put the whole thing on hold. Um, But now they're back open again and... Was that supposed to be just a one-off or was it like No, I think we we were talking about doing a series there. Um, David is... I'm really interested in a place where bands can know that it's going to sound really good. Yeah. It's going to look really good. You're going to be comfortable. You're going to get paid. It's for the bands and the audiences. Hmm. And that was a great place for us to do it. We've worked with the management there for, I don't know, six months, a year. And they've been wonderful. And so David is providing the entire back line, drums, bass amps, guitar amps, PA, huge sound system sound sound engineering and and lights wow so it's going to be amazing we think it's going to be really cool venue so our first show is saturday october 30th it's a halloween party we're calling it dress like a rock star halloween party it is with hey blondie oh you you're ruining my (laughs) i'm stealing your thunder i have it here i just can't it's i was lost in my so it's, it's hey Blondie, hey and, Blondie and there's another a, one. A Blondie tribute and Beth, which is a and Kiss Beth. tribute. Oh, um, that would you know that's what the first thing that came to mind. I'm like Beth. I'm like I want to. I'm like the only Beth I know is 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 the Kiss song. Yes, it's a it's a Kiss tribute. And then um, was that an is that an Ace Freely one or is that a Peter Chris one? It's Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Anyways. And then um, we have uh, my band Justin and the Unclean, Kid Gulliver. Key of Caustic and Speed Fossil. Very nice. And so this is just the first of? It's the first of, yeah. We're going to do a whole series. Fantastic. And it'll be a full bar and everything like that? Yep, full bar. And so, you know, all of David's equipment and and all that is going to be put in there, installed, and it's going to stay there. Uh, so nope, it's gonna be we're gonna bring it over for it's, the show because it like they okay. do other kinds of events there oh, okay. and stuff, right. and it's his studio gear. It's it's gonna be really nice gear. So we're just gonna bring it over, set it up, Oof, do the show. Boy, yep, and then that's we'll, ambitious. Yep, it's ambitious for sure. Right. Um, but we're gonna do one every probably every couple of months. Okay, it's fantastic that 
uh, Sir Minahan's doing this. I think mean, I think it's really it's really cool. I mean, he's like such he's just yeah. Been here forever. I mean, he's just such a good guy. Like he has a great sense of humor. Yep. For me, just in the studio, he's so easy to work with. Piece of cake. And um, he's he's inspiring. Like he's never like cynical or whatever. It's no. like you know, I I I brought to him in the fall of 2016 the worst demos on earth, and he was like, you know, your songs are actually pretty good. You can do something with these. Yeah, he's like. Let's let's do this, you know. Um, and he's great. He's got a great ear. Yes. So it's gonna be it's gonna be very cool. That's very exciting. How can you get tickets to that? It's on Eventbrite, and also there's a Facebook event um, that you can check out if you go okay. to Red on Red page on Facebook. It's right there. Right. I do everything through Facebook and Instagram. Yes. Um, but tickets are easy to have. It's uh, fifteen in advance, twenty at the door. Must show proof of vaccination. They're good. You should. I believe in that, and I'm all for it. I love your swizzle sticks that you, oh, that thank you sell. Oh, I may have to buy some of those. I just actually, I just gave all of my swizzle sticks to Sean McNally because they're going to be part of the VIP swag bag oh, for okay. the benefit for Julie Duffy this weekend. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's totally worth it then. That's uh, Totally, I, I, yeah. I like I'm, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, yes, yes. Scorpion Bowl to go. <laughs> yeah. I like that song. Thank you. Is that from the Hong Kong Scorpion Bowl? So um, I'm just curious. So, this is just a little side. This is not really a huge question. But so actually, um, it's the song is about the point in the pandemic where everybody just hit the wall. It's sort of everybody's like, I can cope, I can deal, I'm okay, I'm adjusting, and then it just like it was like the dark winter of, or sorry, it was like going to the fall of 2020 yeah. like the summer was kind of like oh we can be outside and then it just started to get dark and it horrible. just seemed like a dark winter the whole year didn't it yeah and it was like um it was like well let's get chinese food and then it was like you know you're looking at the online menu and it's like scorpion bowl to go to go right, <laughs> right. everything they just started doing that to go for the covid right? right remember that and i was like well i guess there's kind of an upside but it's really it's kind of a dark song it's about like just hitting the wall yeah Although, you know, you got the cartoon in there and stuff like that. So yeah, it's yeah, little, the, so the, the, a little lighthearted. But. The cartoon background is is by Crispin Wood, who does a lot of the um, art and graphics for the for the label and for my bands. Yeah. Um, but I kind of wanted it to be weird and trippy and cartoonish. Yeah, it is. Because um, people were just starting to go, it was just meant to represent the fact that people were kind of losing touch with reality. Your roster. Yep. Let me see if I get them all. Kid Gulliver, the Chelsea Curve, who I saw with Linnea's Garden. Oh, cool. Right? Yeah. At, at once. That's right. You did. Uh, the Jack Lights, Night Spell, Devil... Devil Love. Devil Love. I misspelled that. Yes. Devil Love, The Daylilies, Justine and the Unclean, Andrea Gillis, Cold Expectations, Justine's Black Thread, and The Neighborhoods. Uh, there's also Lee Harrington and Linda Mandolin. Oh, yeah. I, I, I even remember typing... Oh, it's on, the, it's on the page on top. And Quest for Tuna. And Quest for Tuna. And um, I just signed Stupidity featuring Keith Strang. Huh. So That's they're, cool. They're a Swedish band. They're from Stockholm. Really? They are. And How did you awesome. find a Swedish band from Stockholm? So they found me, actually. Um, they they were kind of on a lot of the same charts that all my roster bands were on, and I started to see their videos and um, kind of became friendly with them on Facebook. And then I asked them to play uh, the EP release for Kid Gulliver's EP a few months ago, and so they they sent in a video for that. And um, we became very friendly, and 
they ended up reaching out and saying, hey, we, we have an album coming out late 21, early 22. We've got some singles. We're looking for a label. And um, they're the coolest people. They're just so nice. And I, I love working with them. So their first single that we just put out was called Magical Girl. And they do videos for all their singles. They're, um, they have um, a lot of talent in that band yeah. um, in terms of songwriting, singing, playing, but also making videos. I'm excited about that. So we'll have that album coming out late in 21. Um, and so they've got um, playing with them on every song on the album is Keith Strang from the Flesh Tones. Re- really good, like garage rock. So you're international. We're global, baby. Nice. Yeah. What's the red on red criteria? That's a great question. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't like to say criteria because I, it's just really kind of a feel from for a lot kinda, of things. But I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's what I'm what I what I'm looking for and what I respond to is first of all, I listen for songs. I'm I'm a songwriter. I think songs make a band. You can be the greatest band in the world, but if your songs are crap, not interested. I also um, listen for quality of production. So do your recordings sound good? Do your videos look good? Are you taking your own music seriously? I also look for bands that promote themselves. And it's tough because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was somebody else's job to promote your band. But now it's your job. It's your job now. And you got to get out there. You got to work press. You got to do your social media. You have to build your audience you have to be committed to that so there's a lot of bands and and then there's a certain sound so i like punk i like power pop i like um garage rock i like alt country um i like indie rock but it's all got to be i like melody i like something that catches you the thing that differentiates the bands that are on this label from every other band on earth is that they're committed to each other and they're supportive of the label so Mm. everybody on this realizes and understands in an intuitive way that if we all support each other amplify each other's message build audiences across bands so if so if you have 15 bands that all have a good solid audience and all of a sudden all those audiences are seeing all the bands Mm. every band starts to have a bigger audience every band starts to um to go to the next level and that's the the bands on the this label are into that they're committed to it and they're excited about it and um they're also behind the scenes like a cheering section for each other yeah yeah. it's there's no competition or weirdness or anything it's like if somebody like gets a chart hit or a a blog article or something everybody else is in the background going like yay nice job that's what differentiates the bands that are on this label so what is so you 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 announced the uh, agreement with with David Minahan and that's going to start on the thirtieth. Yep. Right now your your roster is set. From what I understand, it's like you kind of full up, right? I I would say that um, I'm definitely at capacity in terms of. Um, is it just you? It's just me. So it's just me, but I have some really great people who have offered to help out yeah. um, in, in the background and and um, help me with certain things that, like, you get to a point where it's just kind of like there aren't enough hours in the day. Sure. And the bands on the roster all help too, um, which is wonderful. I, I'm really, really committed to the success of each and every band that's on the label, so it's not like I can run out and sign 50 more bands. Yes. I get approached a lot, and... Yeah. Um, I work to find ways that if I think a, a band or an artist is good, 
that I can support them in another way, like promote their own releases or put out a single but not a whole album sure. or have them be part of an, uh, a showcase either live or online. Um, you can but, set some openers up for them and, th- and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm really careful about um, what I take on at this point because I want to do justice to every band. Is this financed on your out of your own pocket? Um, yeah, it doesn't cost a lot of money, yeah. honestly. It's it's shoe leather. It's really just yeah. all about work. It's yeah. so you know to to release something on CD Baby is pennies, right? In terms of cost, and you know the bands fund a lot of their own stuff like they pay for their own recording and stuff Mm -hmm. like that i do a little bit of paid promotion but not a ton it's honestly it's more about getting the word out and that's just paying attention and writing press releases and sending emails and um, being on social media and talking about bands and generating that excitement that's just time and energy yeah unfortunately limited in supply um but it's yeah, and not it's not like a ton of money, um, in or out, to be honest. I know the feeling. I know yeah. the feeling. It's like a labor of love. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we, tr- you know, trying to make that thirty-seven dollars. Right. Exactly. I, I found thirty-seven <laughs> bucks. I'm not. It's nothing to sneeze at. It's not. That's that's a good dinner. You know. I mean, l- let me put it to you this way. Part like part of the reason that um that I started the label and I'm interested to see where this goes is that I feel like there's an entire industry that is about um, positioning itself between musicians and their audiences. And some of that force is really positive. It's like somebody can really support a band or bring attention to a band or cover a band. Some of it's not so positive. Some of it's about, hey, musician who really wants to be successful, I could take some of your money Hmm. to push your message. Or it's about, hey, musician, you have to be on my platform and you're going to get a tenth of a cent every time that somebody listens to your music, even if they love it to pieces and they listen to it a thousand times. It's sort of like, I mean, whoever it was that decided a, like a digital download was worth 99 cents. It, it's incredible to me. It's like these musicians work so hard at this and what it costs to record and to practice even, to have to rent a practice space and to do all your cover art. And that stuff all costs a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then there's 17 people between you and the person who might like your band taking a cut. Right. That, I would love to find a way to change that. I don't like it. And I'm adamantly against anything that feels like pay to play or asking bands to pay to be part of something. So anybody who's on my label, there's... There's no money for me until there's money for the band. Yeah, that's why. Uh, good. That's why I feel too. Everyone gets paid first. Exactly. I, I think. Yeah. And you know, like I've I've used social media people. I've used graphic designers because I mean, there's a ton of really. I mean, you know, they, a ton of really talented yeah. people yeah. who be like, yeah, I'm not going to do it for free. I've got to get paid. these people have got, have to get paid. Absolutely. And so, uh, and it's one of the reasons why. I, you know, I love that album art is becoming a thing again. Like poster art is yeah, a, yeah. is a thing. I'm I'm all for it because I love that whole that whole collaboration between the musician, the graphic artist, the video artist. The that yeah, that whole package thing. is yeah. amazing. And you're a big part of that with the um, you know you do a lot of videos. Yep. And that's a huge part of it. And right now, as I understand it, you're only doing digital releases. You haven't done any any album, any vinyl or anything like that. So... Am I right? 
Um, that's correct for the label, although on Friday um, we'll be putting out a, a CD. Oh, good. Which is the Kid Gulliver uh, okay. Kismet? It's their, it's their, it's a full length. Um, that's the first CD, and I'm so I'm starting to do CDs now. Um, vinyl, I would like to do eventually. Vinyl's really tough right now. There's just a big problem with the global supply chain, right? Because of COVID, right? But also, vinyl's uh, high risk investment. It's yeah. very, very expensive. There's not a lot of margin on it, and right. shipping it's expensive. So you want to know that that something's a huge hit before you invest in vinyl. So kind of moving from digital into CDs, probably eventually do vinyl, but um, it would need to be something that the band and I would both know was really going to sell. What, what's is there another big announcement coming? Is there something? What's new? What's the next big thing? <laughs> well, so um, this week I, I have three releases. Uh, two shows and a studio session. So it's kind of like that. There's something every single day. Um, are you going into the studio and, and with the bands as they record? Are you, are you, par- are you part of the process so at I all? Don't go, I don't go into the studio with the bands. I, what I, the um, kind of artistic involvement that I have with them is um, I'll listen to their demos if they want me to. I'll listen to their mixes, help them decide what's going to be a single help them think about sequencing, if they're going to do a full length or a longer thing, connect them with video artists, um, sometimes brainstorm video concepts with them and stuff like that. It's pretty light touch. Most of the the artists on the label are very, very, um, they're committed and driven and very talented people. They don't need to be told what to do artistically. Um, It's it's more about connecting their art to the business part of it. You know, also, and I, I guess I have to look more closely at the roster, but from what I initially saw none of them are kids they all seem to be everybody's you know everybody's at a certain level of experience they have their experienced musicians they've been playing music their entire lives they're in their 40s 50s some of them most of them i got i have a few that are a little bit on the younger side but yeah but yeah i mean that's that's another thing that i love seeing is the people who've just been playing music their entire lives are still doing it and it's they're just doing it obviously for the love of it but they just they yeah. just don't stop i think it just becomes part of who you are it's kind of like what how, you can't stop being you you know yeah i agree but yeah so i'm going into the studio on friday with andrea gillis because we're singing backups for a dirty trucker song that's actually okay. going to come out on rumbar that's cool yeah so it's going to be fun it's going to be a party so you're still recording you're still you're still recording and and being a part of that too Oh, that's great. I miss recording. You like recording? I love recording. I love it. And, you know, I, I do all my recording with um, with David at Woolly Mammoth, mm-hmm. but um, actually did some recording during the pandemic. Like some of it was, sometimes it was like not all the musicians would come in or we'd all go in at different times and everybody would be, be masked. And, um, you know, there was a lot of complexity to that, but, yeah. um, you know, recorded a theme song for Red on Red and... Um, that's the other thing I want to talk to you about. The theme song for Red and Red is fantastic. Thank you. It is such a good song. Thank you. Everyone should listen to that song. It's we have like our introductory music. Yep. For the, above the basement, that's actually a song that we have in the band, but it's just like a little instrumental thing. But oh god, it's such a good song. Thank you. I so really much. like it. I was listening yeah. to it over and over again. It's funny. I sent it to a bunch of people. That's great. It's one of those things where it's sort of like it popped into my head, and then I started like playing playing the guitar riff and going like oh this and at the time i was like this is ridiculous like like i can't i can't have a label theme song and then i was like oh yes you can why the hell not of yeah, course i can i love I can it do whatever i want you know i love it it's yeah. it's um and then in david minahan's on it even too 
David's on it, Lee Harrington. And yeah, I mean, there's Jim a bunch Ginora. of people. Yeah, yeah there's and a bunch of them. And then I was like, I probably should do a video. Yup, you know, like it's, it's fan- like, fantastic. Everyone should have um, a theme song. It's fun to have a theme song. It is. I'm gonna have to do one now. <laughs> you better do Above one. the basement doesn't really roll off the tongue, but red on red, that's <laughs> that's really great. Ah, okay, well, it's well done. Did you write that? I did. Yeah. Ah, very well done. Well Thank done. you. That's that's my favorite song that you do. <laughs> So what else? What do you, you got a clipboard there? Is there anything else you want to want to mention? The biggest thing is this um, show, October thirtieth. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the Boston area, I definitely recommend you come to this. It's going to be so much fun. It's a Halloween party. It's called Dress Like a Rockstar Halloween Party. It's out in Waltham. It's out in Waltham at the French American Victory Club. You can get your tickets online or at the door. Dressing up is optional. Sometimes people don't like to dress up. It's funny when. Um, Around uh, 2016, 2017, I was having Halloween parties every year, and they were called Dress Like a Rockstar Halloween Party. And people would show up in their regular clothes, and they'd be like, what? I'm a rock star. I don't want to dress up. So you <laughs> this can is how do, I dress. You can do that, too. You can totally do that. <laughs> or you can dress as your favorite rock star. A lot, yes. of, a lot of creative costumes. The other thing is, if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, you'll be alerted to every, every new release. And we have a ton of stuff. It's like new singles coming out new videos coming out albums coming out at least one a week through probably the end of this calendar year my goodness really one a week oh yeah it's it's gonna get real wow <laughs> it's wow like, it's, a, it's a ton of work i have three this week i have tomorrow a uh, new single from the chelsea curve thursday new i like single. the chelsea curve oh aren't they great they're really great i really enjoy their show they're phenomenal thursday new single and video from the jack lights Friday, new single and video, plus the, the CD and full-length digital album from Kid Gulliver. So that's just this week. Oh, my gosh. Uh, next Tuesday, new single and video from Cold Expectations. So, And it's just going to roll like that through the fall. It's so rock and roll. You're shooting videos. You're having shot concerts. You're it's putting out singles. On, yeah. That's great. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I mean, I, people will say, oh, I'd love to do this. I'm like, just do it. I mean, just do yeah, it. Just do it. Hey, we're not going to be here forever, you know? You know, I'm looking for a label, so no pressure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not looking for a label. Anything else? I think that's all, but thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. I would like to thank Justine for the conversation. You can listen and purchase Red on Red music at redonredrecords.bandcamp.com and see what else she is up to at facebook.com forward slash Records. Go to AboveTheBasement.com where you can sign up for a newsletter, listen and subscribe to our podcast, join us on Patreon, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening, tell your friends, and remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. <laughs>